0: so good thank you so much marco what a wow give me jesus right give me give me jesus you can take all the stuff you take all the stuff and give me jesus what a soulful song just focuses and draws us in let alone the handsome guy with the nice suit the beautiful voice but (laughs) give me jesus there's no substitute for jesus and usually substitutions are so terrible, right? If you have substitute for butter, it's called margarine, and butter makes it better, and margarine makes it gross. <laughs> you just it's just kind of how it is. And, and and the same thing's true like for if you if you ever tried turkey bacon and, and I'm sorry, but it's just not the same as thick cut apple wood smoked bacon that's it's just not the same. My wife and I went out for breakfast on, on Monday, and, or on a Friday, and we had a special order of bacon, and it was not turkey bacon. It was just huge and thick and beautiful. And, and then if the lady would have said, well, would you like to substitute? Yeah, you nuts. Oh, I'd like to be wrapped in bacon and fried it. I mean, you kidding me. There's just no substitute. As we get towards school, in the beginning of school, there's, there are substitute teachers, right? And you remember that. You remember when you were a kid and you you walked in and you saw the substitute and you go, yeah, we'll size her up. We'll see maybe she'll last till 10, 30, 11 o'clock. And then we'll put the hammer to this young lady. When I was a kid, I was a child. uh, I was born in 1964. So part of that for me is uh, children of the 60s. And sometimes in Flagstaff, which is a little bit of a hippie place, we would get a hippie substitute. And you loved it when the hippie substitutes came in with the belt buckle of a peace symbol on their thing and the jeans and a shirt and long hair. And We even had one who was, had brought a guitar and we're like, this is so cool. This is the best. We're not gonna learn anything today. It's just the substitute's gonna just be useless and we're gonna sing, you know, Arlo Guthrie songs and wear hemp clothing. At I mean, it's gonna be great. And there were subs like that, and it was useless. You just remember it being useless and kind of gloried in that as a student. And that was at J.Q. Thomas Elementary School on Lockhart Road on the uh, east side of, uh, uh, northeast side of uh, Flagstaff, which, man, we were diverse before diversity was cool. We, man, Indian students came out for the reservation. We had HUD homes, Siler homes right there. It was kind of the poor part of town. I mean, boy, a substitute was looking out at a, wow. When we had substitutes that were like Gestapo as well, remember that? You took one look at that substitute and you knew you were dead. And if you went out of line, you knew that that she had worked really hard to make sure that the, the, the teacher, that your real teacher's work was going to be done. Boom, 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 boom. And she was not going to mess around with you. You are a third grader. You are a speed bump on the way to one o'clock. And if by one o'clock, she hadn't gone through her list. I see my teacher smiling out. You want to crack up? <laughs> If if, you were done with what the teacher had assigned you to do by one o'clock, she was darn well going to cancel recess and, and bring the whole force of the Nazi Reich down to make sure you learned the, you know, five times five is 25, five times six is 30, you know. Ah! And you just didn't mess with that substitute. But there was nothing like getting your teacher back. Because no one really likes it all easy and gooey with a hippie sub. We didn't learn anything, and... And the Nazi lady was scary. I mean, like, wow, raised in a German home and it makes my home look mellow compared to what she's brought to bear. There's just no substitute. And the real teacher comes back in, you get with the program, you, you sit up, you, you move forward, you know what's going on, you know what's predictable. And in our thing, we did the flag, we did my country tis of thee, we did a little, little spelling math, boom, 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 recess, boom, and she would. She, my, my teachers were very seldom afraid to say, Timothy, sit still and be quiet. Uh, and the weak hippie substitute teacher would be like, I just am so into you being yourself, it's just great. Like, oh. And the Gestapo lady is ready to cut your head off. It's just a different thing. But I think of Mrs. Blair and Mrs. Clark and Mrs. Chance. And those teachers, when I was a little guy, they just comfort, just comfort in knowing who your teacher is. This morning in our text, I want to be reminded there's no substitute for Jesus. In John chapter 5, beginning at verse 38, in our in our text, it says, You diligently study these scriptures, because in them you think you will find eternal life. These are they which testify concerning me. Jesus says, no substitute. You can read the Bible and find all sort of goofy stuff. You, You can try to get it all figured out and dialed in, but at the end of the day, there's only one Jesus. Give me that one Jesus. That's what I need. That's what I want. That's what brings life and vitality to bear in my soul. And without that Jesus, I'm going to struggle. Because only Jesus can fill up the thirsty, hungry soul. But substitutes arise. One of those substitutes is the substitute of the religious buzz. We're super good at that. You you get that religious buzz. Sometimes I'll preach that way. I'll say, well, and here's the part in this sermon where everyone's going to go, ooh. And sometimes it's really nice. Dr. Heidi can play the organ, Marco can sing, Pastor Hayes can sing. His prayers this morning are beautiful, and it just, whoa. But beyond that buzz is what drives us in our lives. Because the buzz is empty, or as my friend says, vapid, the buzz kind of goes away, and you can go to the crusade, you can go to this, you can go to that, you can participate in that, read this book, and kind of get on the edge of the spiritual fad, And, and at the end, you still need Jesus. At the end, there's something bigger and better than just that buzz, that sermon, that solo, that something, and that something is Jesus. Jesus is more than just a buzz or a good feeling about Christianity. Jesus is the Son of God. With Jesus comes the cross. And with Jesus comes grace and forgiveness and peace with God. And the power of that isn't just a buzz. The power of that is life and salvation and forgiveness of sins and closeness with God. With that Jesus, we have everything. And without that Jesus, we are kind of like a hummingbird, bumping from flower to flower to flower, hoping that somehow we'll get our spiritual fix. In our last service, we baptized little Benjamin Alistair, Benjamin Robert Alistair Vaughn. Sixth generation City of Orange, six generation St. John's. It gave me a little buzz. The little dress that that little guy was in this morning was over 100 years old with fabric that came from Germany. Wow. But what's important is the water with the word and promise that brought him into the family of faith. Fay. And while the buzz is nice, the buzz doesn't drive. And when the buzz is gone, you're still connected to Christ. Give me Jesus. Because a buzz is no substitute for Jesus. Some will take the substitute of, of knowledge, which is kind of where they were going in John chapter 5, that, that, that somehow you had to know all these stuff. And as Jesus was sitting there that day, those guys were pretty smart. I mean, those were the, the guys. And, and they read the Bible, and they looked at all the stuff, and they formulated all the doctrine. And they had it all together, and, and they could pass the test. But they were condescending, and they were angry, And their religion was still a religion of culture and self. And that's why they hated Jesus so much. And it's ultimately part of what God Jesus crucified was being on the outs with the in people in the religious order. I really struggle with the word religion. Because the word religion indicates kind of my moving my way towards God rather than God moving his way towards me. And religious people we like to have all the right answers to have everything kind of fleshed out and taken care of and somehow, if you don't have all the right answers from the right tradition in the right way, then you're a heretic, or you're uh, heterodox, or you're a bad person. And, and, and God forbid you'd be a person who doesn't know Christ and kind of sneak into a church, into a community. And then you'd get just a sale with the cultures and traditions, with the language, with all the stuff. And kind of find yourself on the outside looking in. What a barrier that is to young people in 21st century America. And what a struggle that is for the 21st century church. To fill the brain and lose the heart. That's the substitute religion of knowledge and being smart. This last couple of years, I've been going to school. Two years ago, I had to write a paper, a 20-page paper, which, of course, I got an A on. And in case you're keeping score, I've got an A on everything I've turned in. (laughs) That feels so good. From a philosophy of C's equal degrees, Uh, A's pay, right? Whatever, I don't know. Uh, But I had to write a spiritual biography of who was my guy, and my guy was Peter. Because Peter can't keep his mouth shut. Every time Peter's got it going good, Peter opens his mouth and gets in more trouble. And it just, I mean, almost every time at Caesarea Philippi in Matthew's gospel, the guys are sitting on the rocks. And and, and I just picture them hanging out, smelling like fish on their hands and and, and talking like guys talk around the campfire. And Jesus says, hey, who do people say that I am? And well, some say Elijah and some say John the Baptist and others say this and others say that. Jesus says, yeah, what about y'all? Who do y'all say that I am? Peter goes, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus goes, uh-huh, good job, Peter, A+. plus." And Jesus takes a breath and begins speaking about the cross and getting it kind of aligned with him suffering and dying. And on the third day, rising And Peter kind of pulls Jesus aside and says, uh... You need to quit talking that way, Jesus. The crowds are big and they're going to get smaller. Things are good for us now. But the more you talk about this death and suffering and all this stuff, that's not good for our popularity. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Right? One breath, he never had it so right. One breath, he never had it so wrong. Peter says, Lord, I will go with you to Jerusalem. I will die with you. Jesus says, before the rooster crows crows twice, you'll deny me three times. And it's then that Jesus, risen from the dead, comes out to the disciples who are fishing in a boat, just being guys. It's quiet on the lake. A few fish here, a few fish there. Finally, they pull up the net, and there's fish everywhere. Because the guy on the shore said, put the net in on the other side. And John and Peter are bringing the net in. And they elbow one another. And John elbows Peter. He says, it's the Lord. And the breakfast continues. And Jesus doesn't give Peter a quiz about where they'd been and what they'd done and the geographic specific, specifics of the Judean countryside. He 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 says, "Peter, do you love me?" "Do you love me?" "Do you love me?" undoing the three denials. He says, "Feed my sheep, take care of my lambs, feed my sheep." See, it wasn't about what Peter knew, it was about who Peter was in Christ. And only the heart broken by the denial knew the grace and the forgiveness and the unity and the peace that came on that Galilean lakeside that day. See, God doesn't call Peter or you or me into faith so that we can somehow be professors and lord our knowledge over one another and say, no, our book's better than your book and we're smarter than you and our professors are smarter than your professors. Rather, he calls us into a family of faith and says, you're tied to one another. You love one another. What you have in common through faith in Jesus Christ is something that can never be parsed out. Baptizing a little baby into the family of faith is a function of the gospel and not of knowledge. Scriptures say knowledge puffs up, but faith builds up. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus, who restores broken souls, who mends longing hearts, who fills empty spirits with His love and with His grace. There's no substitute for Jesus. There's one more substitute that we're struggling with as a nation, and that's the substitute of politics. Some in our country put politics above everything. And, 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 and again, that's, that's somewhat empty. The, the trajectory of that is, is, is going nowhere fast because politics are on cyclical time, not linear time. It, it, it cycles through, in and out. And sometimes your guys win, and sometimes your guys lose, and, and you just gotta kind of learn to live with that. But in America, at least, in, in, it feels like it to me, and you can send me emails if you like. It's okay, I'm leaving town this week. Send me an email, throw a rock my direction, I don't care. Um, We, we think somehow our salvation comes from a political vote or from a political party, and that's just flat out not true. And the pursuit of that has worn out the 21st century church or the 20th century church. I was listening to a book, an audio book this last summer and said part of the thing that, 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 that happened was that when Jerry Falwell passed away, the church was released from the bondage of a political narrative that a generation hadn't been able to shake itself out of. Meaning the church was more about politics than it was about Jesus. As if coming into church, we put the Republicans on the right and the Democrats on the left and the independents in the balcony. (laughs) Love you guys. (laughs) And it becomes that we ebb and flow in our faith with that. And yet Jesus, when he stood before Pilate at, at, at his trial, before the governing authorities, they, Pilate said, don't you have anything to say? What's going on? And Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my disciple guys, my servants would have picked up and fought. Uh, but, but there's something bigger going on. And we need to be reminded of that as Christians in 21st century America. There's something bigger going on. And that's something bigger going on is the church refocusing and renewing itself in missional service to make communities and neighborhoods and places better places as Christians are infiltrators into those neighborhoods. It's not about who you vote for or necessarily what planks are in the political party's platform. It's about Jesus. My kingdom is not of this world. How many kings, queens, dukes, duchesses, princes, princesses, presidents, senators, congressmen, judges, has Jesus outlasted? And how many more will he outlast before he comes again in glory? And the answer is every single one. Because he is the king of kings. And he is the Lord of lords. So we vote our consciences, but we never lose sight of who's on the throne. Because politics is a horrible substitute for Jesus. His kingdom is not of this world. And that's the gospel. That's super good news because your feet are on something and your life is anchored to something that will not dry up and blow away in the latest election or the latest fad or the latest shivery buzz thing. Your life, your faith, your feet firmly on the rock of Jesus Christ. There's no substitute whatsoever for Jesus so with that in the beautiful words of that soulful song we say give us Jesus give us Jesus give me Jesus amen